This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning. However, it applies New Year's Eve, and it was actually funny. It was about 2 o'clock. I sent Pete a message. I'm like, yo, dude, let's just, just chill, bag it tonight, whatever. New Year's Eve, uh, Adam Schefter and everybody, John Dorsey, uh, Jimmy Haslam going to meet. Could possibly be the end, you know, six minutes later. Um, maybe we're going to have to get together, get something done. Uh, I, got, I got some time here before I got to go out. And, you know, well, I was ready to talk some ball here. So we're going to get into it. We're going to sit down. Your host, Jeff Lloyd uh, from SI.com, Browns Maven, Pete Smith, your local experts on the biggest stories, Cleveland Brown-wise, for your daily delivery of all things dog pounds. Uh, I guess right around 2.30 this afternoon, um, buddy boy John Dorsey relieved of his duties. Um, whether you want to say this is an expectation of one particular head coach, it's not just one. There are several of the candidates who would maybe be interested in, look, there's an influence of this game that's going a different way. There's older folks of the game that aren't going to tend that way, trend that way and go with it. The But this isn't going away, this new breed and the analytics and these younger guys who put in 20 hours a day and just continually bust their butts in every facet of it to gain and look at every possible tidbit of information there is. Uh, there's several ways you can look at this from John. I mean, look, a lot of, we, we've taken a hard time on this over two years. Uh, you know, look, John Dorsey did a lot of good things here. There's, there's no denying that John Dorsey did some really good things here. There's some things he didn't do so well. And, you know, last year to get that team to seven, eight, one, that was great. Uh, moves he made this year. And now this team going at it six and 10. And we also said, look, if the Freddie kitchens hire was bad and you had to move on from Freddie kitchens, who was the cheerleader in that corner hoping for that? And if you, you know, see for me in Rappaport, you know, John was, and we really got to move on from Freddie. Uh, there's so many ways to go with this. Pete, jump in here. I mean, I, I, I got a list as long as my leg, but, uh, you know, this wasn't, this isn't a total shock. You know, anybody who out there in the full Dorsey, you know, Dorsey's killing it and Team Dorsey, Mike, it just wasn't the case. Well, look, I mean, you know, it doesn't, you know, first I'm going to be accused of being happy about this. It doesn't make me happy that the Browns are in a situation where they're forced to do this. Um, it just goes to my point that I've been making that John Dorsey has not done a great job, as he's often been lauded for. He's done a pretty mediocre job when you consider everything um, available to him. Um, I, I, you know, I wrote an article about this, and and I went back and I looked at the, you know, with the cap space and draft picks they had after for 2018. Um, they, the, the Browns basically carried over eight, or, or I should say that are going to be on this team in 2020, the Browns are basically going to have like eight or nine players, and four of them are really really contributors. That's Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward, Nick Chubb, and Jarvis Landry, assuming Landry's going to be here. I assume he will be. And then it's, you know, you're basically looking at guys like Tavier Thomas is still here, uh, Dontrell Hilliard is still here, uh, uh, Terrence Mitchell is still here, and, and, and there's a couple other, but it's guys like that. And that's you had all those draft picks, you had all the opportunity to sign players, and that's all you came out with. That's 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 really problematic uh, to me, anyway. Uh, and then you know, 2019 is far more uh, in the realm of to be determined. 
um, it, it, especially as it comes to the draft um, and, and, and some of the things they've done. There were some really good moves in there. Uh, you know, I, 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 I give him all the credit in the world for the Olivier Vernon trade. I, I still think that was great, even if the timing wasn't ideal. Um, I don't think there was any other option to, to be able to get that kind of return for it. Um, you, you were going to have to make, you know, uh, some pay cuts in terms of how you were going to pay the offensive line. Um, you picked, you, you picked a guy who was the oldest, had the uh, biggest contract and, and fits your offensive line the, the least. And you got a premier defensive end for him. And, you know, Olivier Vernon cost money and he got hurt. I get all those things. But when he was healthy, he was absolutely great. Um, Odell Beckham, you know, there's more with that um, in terms of what you believe or don't believe in terms of how he's impacting the team. And there are things I don't like that he does. But, again, that's a perfectly defensible move. I, I really like the move of signing guys like Eric Cush and, and uh, Kendall Lamb. Uh, those are cheap uh, veteran offensive linemen that can come in and play. They're, they're not going to be great, but when you get to your sixth and seventh linemen, you don't need great. You need guys who can get on the field and contribute. And, unfortunately, Kendall Lamb got hurt the way he did, but those are professional offensive linemen that can play, and Eric Cush – Certainly wasn't the answer at right guard, but he wasn't, you know, the death of the offensive line either. That he gave you reps, and now he can be what he should be, which was a a guard center rotational guy. Um, there are a lot of draft picks that that uh, didn't work. Um, I think a lot of choices in terms of how he looked at team building were were, were embarrassing and ultimately disastrous. I think his lack of ability to appreciate where character means and does for a football team it has contributed to why the Browns perceived culture is as bad as it is and I don't doubt um, that a lot of that is due to the the, the mess they had a head coach uh, there's no question that that matters but all it's making me think is that you know Andy Reid deserves even more credit for what he's able to do in Kansas City and that he basically had you know some of these knuckleheads courtesy of Dorsey and he's made it work and that is an issue, but uh, you know, so much of this move, I don't think is. Uh, I, I, I I think it contributes in part that Dorsey did not do a great job. Certainly not one that that kept him employed. But I also think it's because uh, people don't seem to understand that like all the stuff that people thought when he was hired was like great and 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 he's going to get down to business and he's an ass kicker and all this stuff. Like, a lot of people hate that stuff, and a lot of people hate working with that stuff. Like, you don't, you don't be the GM and go and blast your players in public. That's stupid. Um, and those things hurt him. And, so you don't, go, you you know, don't show up at the combine and call out David Njoku for his blocking? Or, or the Duke Johnson stuff. It was just stupid. <laughs> like, there's just these, these errors that you didn't need to do. You, you, your first moment was talking about getting real football players and that rubbed play, players the wrong way. Um, and there are people who sort of rolled with it, but like all these people are cheering him on and not only do players not like dealing with some of the stuff he does, and there's far worse within that. Um, those are sort of the, those are the public uh, failings he's had, but coaches don't want to work with him. Um, and that's part of the problem is that multiple coaches that the Browns are interested in 
had no interest in working with Dorsey. And, and Josh McDaniels is the obvious one. I mean, Dorsey uh, was never going to be on board with that, um, with the stuff with Chris Ballard and, and the Colts situation. They didn't interview him. And, and people keep insisting, like, keep trying to play around with this and, and come up with bullshit excuses for it. Um, like, well, they, they talked to Flores first and all this. The Browns are currently slated to talk to half of the freaking 49ers coaching staff. That's such a weak excuse. This all was about the Ballard-McDaniel uh, situation with the Colts. A hundred percent. And anyone who doesn't believe that is absolutely lying to themselves or is just, you know, just ignorant. Um, that was the whole thing. So if there's a real belief that they want Josh McDaniels, Dorsey's not going to be part of that. Um, it's just not going to happen. Um, and, and Kevin Stefanski uh, passed over for the job by Dorsey for Freddie Kitchens. You know, the, 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 the voices that were pushing for that include uh, Paul DePodesta and, and, and reportedly Andrew Berry, uh, who then left and went to the Eagles. And now he's being mentioned as, 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 a, as a, a candidate to be the GM if they can get him out of there. Um, then Dorsey's not going to be here in that situation either. You know, so the, the, threat, the needle they had to thread uh, was – Basically, like, if Mike McCarthy liked him enough to stick with him, and if he didn't, then he was still going to be screwed. So it was a very difficult situation for him to to make sense for a GM candidate or for coaching candidates who wanted him. I don't know if there were any, and I think that's ultimately why they got to the situation they got to, and they tried to give him a way out, and uh, he wasn't interested in, in being diminished. And that's fine. Uh, I think it frankly makes things easier. Uh, but uh, no, there's just a lot here, and all these people are like, "Oh, the Browns are failing." And I, I, I look, I get it. It doesn't look good. It's not fire... a step forward by any means. No. Yeah, it doesn't look good to fire your GM. It doesn't look good to have just fired your coach. These are all things that don't make you look good. But the idea that, but because they got rid of John Dorsey, that they're screwed. I don't buy that. Now they have to make the right moves. They have to make the right hires and we'll see if they're capable of that. But I, I, I just, I'm sorry. I, I just never understood it from the beginning The people who are, you know, calling Dorsey a savior in the beginning. And, and I was skeptical from them and, and, and he's done nothing to change that arguably getting worse as time went on. So here we are. And, and it's basically what I expected to happen and uh, seeing where they go from here. Now there are certainly situations which I would love, out of this. I mean, if they could come back and get Andrew Barry as the GM, I am all about it. Uh, I, you know, but that's just because he I was your guy when he was here. Yeah. I mean, he, he was, he's been my guy, uh, but uh, that's not because I hate John Dorsey necessarily. I just disagree with a lot of the, the things he does. Um, so, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but uh, you know, I, and I think more of this is going to come out on some of the things that Dorsey was doing uh, in handling players and some of those things, but I, I, I think when those things come out, they aren't going to be unbelievable by any stretch. They're certainly not going to be favorable. Um, you, we're going to have to sneak in a break here in a minute. But um, what you know, I, I started here over the last week or so was now the Haslam's. They don't they don't want to talk to everybody. They have their favorite within the building. You know, mostly it should be the GM. And in this case, for the last couple of years, it was John Dorsey. And as things started to spiral and go out of control this year. They started to talk to some other people in the buildings, in the building. And that's, 
when they were able to, you know, through their ears, they essentially were able to open their eyes and they were starting to see where some of the wrong and some of the improprieties were. We're going to get to that here in a second. Do have to sneak this in, guys. Locked on Browns, Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, uh, John Dorsey out as general manager of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I'll never tell you enough good things about Zabel Apparel. Uh, you guys want Browns gear. Uh, it's quality. Uh, the merchandise itself, it's it's not cheesy. It's put together. It handles a wash. Trust me, it does. Um, packaged well. Uh, the sizing, everything. Good. I love the creativity behind the designs. Uh, you know, the company run by, uh, you know, uh, an armed force veteran. Uh, has two children serving in the armed forces. I cannot say enough quality things about the Zabo family. I cannot say enough quality things about Zabo Apparel. Check them out. ZaboApparel.com. Zabo Apparel on the Twitter machine. Now, as far as, you know, and, and you look at the roster here, and this is one thing where Pete and I have been on for the couple of we- last couple of weeks is this team was 7-8-1 and one last year. This team is now 6-10 and 10 this year. Don't, you don't have the, the Sashi you know, you know, Sam's club, you know, discount of having all these assets in all this money, you know, to fix a lot of wrongs. You don't have that anymore. And this roster for the most part is lean compared to where it was a year ago. Uh, You know, you have a lot of holes on defense. Pete and I have been harping about the defensive line since the second to 2018 draft ended. Here we are still, Two, two full seasons later, harping about the defensive line. Uh, you, you, you basically punted and crossed your fingers on left tackle since the second Greg Robinson walked out the door. I, I talk with players. There are players who feel they've not been communicated to enough. They felt they've been kind of misled on some things. That's not good. You can't have that from your GM. You can't have players not knowing what's going on with the future with your team, their future it's it, it's it's a bad look. Then let's get to the the whole my guy thing. And look, I don't give a crap how the player got on your team. Uh, it doesn't matter necessarily that you can go and get a better player. Okay, maybe one caveat: J.C. Treader. Uh, you know, Jabril Peppers for Odell. That's fine. But Jabril Peppers was starting to play some really good football here before they moved on from him. You drafted Chad Tad, Tad Thomas in the 2018 draft in the third round. Ain't done nothing yet. Still ain't done nothing. You actually got lucky in the fifth round when you drafted a player like Jannard Avery, who had a great rookie season. People were saying, man, this is going to be such a great guy. Uh, you know, you can do whatever you want here on nickel and dimes. You essentially can maybe play four DNs because you can kick Miles in. You got Vernon. You got Richardson with some pass rush ability. You got Jannard Avery. Never. <laughs> maybe saw what? 12 snaps? If that traded him, moved on from him. It just the way the roster was handled and the, the, the my guy thing, it, it just – it doesn't have to be a you thing. And it's where you took your team and, and your defensive line further away from being successful. It, just so many stuff like that. And, and the fact that in, in draft self and, you know, the whole, you know, Zeitler for Vernon deal, guess what? You could have had Zeitler. You could have had a really quality defensive end in Harold Landry who would have been making nothing. There's, there was just, there were so many things he did roster wise, draft wise where, yeah, it's look, he got Baker Mayfield. That's a great thing. You've got your franchise quarterback here in Cleveland. You ain't said that in a long time. Denzel Ward's going to be a damn fine cornerback. Nick Chubb was a fantastic, smoked the living daylights out of that pick. Great pick. But as far as depth of it, no. This year, look, you know, Greedy, 
you're almost going to give it incomplete. Missed a lot of time. What you saw down the second half of the season, not so good. When he closed out the regular season, not so good. Uh, Mac Wilson forced into a role before he was ready. Uh, looked like a lot like a guy who, you know, was basically never had been given a car before. You threw him out on a 75 mile an hour highway, and there was a lot going on. He wasn't ready for it. Sioni Taki Taki didn't get to see enough of, uh, you know, the rookie specialist, not too shabby. But, you know, this 19 draft class, you needed to hit on it more. You needed to hit on the 18 one more. This team was getting closer to not having much cap, cap flexibility. You needed young players to step up. You didn't get enough of them. That's just a start of the tip of the iceberg, Pete. Right. And again, uh, you know, I, I think part of the problem is adding players that, that weren't good for the locker room. Uh, you know, again, you called Jermaine Whitehead a leader. He got cut for <laughs> threatening reporters and making, you know, racist remarks. Um, I also think it's partly because of the players you moved. I, I, I don't think people understand, and, you know, again, Zeitler's probably in that group, but, you know, the, the, some of that was going to happen. It doesn't mean that, uh, that uh, you know, that, that you couldn't, you, you were going to have to lose some of those, but you were going to have to try to replace them. I, I think, I think Duke Johnson meant more to this team than anyone's ever going to admit. Um, and, and Jabril Peppers and some and of those guys. adults who said, Peppers. oh, don't worry, Dontrell Hillier will carry it for the first half of the season. Okay. Well, beyond that part, um, you know, I think Duke Johnson had, had some weight in the locker room. I think, um, you know, some of those guys were just professionals. Darren Fells, just professional football player. Um, I think some of those guys not having those hurt you. I think Jabril Peppers, I think not having Jabril Peppers may have hurt Demarius Randall. Um, I, I can't prove it, but I, I think he had a positive impact. Little on him brother, big year. brother kind of fed off each other. Um, so I, I think that hurt a lot. And, and I, and I think, again, I, I, I have no doubt that a lot of this rests on, on, on Freddie kitchens. And, and obviously that doesn't help um, that, that he, he was the big proponent of Freddie kitchens. Uh, but, uh, it's it just this team never played like a team this year. It always felt like a collection of talent. And I think that's sort of, I, I think that's the lasting sort of feel when it comes to John Dorsey. And, and in that sense, he sort of reminds me of when the Browns had Phil Savage, he fell victim to the same thing. He just added a bunch of talent, but they, they didn't really go together and they, they, they weren't able to, to make it work. So I, uh, Again, I, I, I think John Dorsey is just uh, – in some ways, I think the game passed him by in terms of front office stuff. Um, I, again, he doesn't manage money well. Uh, I think, I think uh, you know, what was likely going to be his plan, maybe with some of these players, wasn't going to be smart. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, this, this significantly increases the chances that Joe Schobert is retained. I hope this uh, sort of – cleans the slate a little bit with David Njoku, uh, who still has to come back and have a great year, uh, but uh, less of a feeling of walking on pins and needles uh, or, you know, being on eggshells type thing in terms of his fourth year here. I think that that's beneficial. Um, I, I just, some of the ways he handled the locker room, I just think he made more division than, than there needed to be. And I think the locker room did their best to sort of, try to stay together, but I think he sort of inadvertently, you know, made some, some sides in there that did not make the situation better. 
So, uh, I mean, I, again, I, I just want to see where this goes because, I mean, they could absolutely go be worse from here. Uh, there's no doubt they could do that. But they do have the opportunity to get what I, w- what I would think are a couple uh, very qualified front office executives, and there's some very good coaches, uh, good coaching candidates that are out there that, that want to work for the Browns. And the fact that the Browns were willing to move on from Dorsey like this um, is why he's not here. Yeah, and I think part of today's conversation was, is John, we're going to go in a different direction. We might be interested in some guys that we know you're not going to jive with. Do you want to be the food and beverage coordinator? And, you know, John Dorsey is a proud man. And John Dorsey will, if it's not going to be my name on it, it ain't going to be my thing. I'm just going to get the hell out of here, which is probably essentially what the Hasms were hoping he would say. Um, there's certainly you know, Mike Lombardi, somebody put out the, you know, John Dorsey, yada, 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 two years to make millions of dollars. And Mike Lombardi, join the club, join the club. Um, so the Haslam's are going to cut the check. Sure. And you ain't got to work. That's fine. Uh, so, you know, you, you move on it. You move on from that way. Oh, uh, you know, players that essentially got put in a purgatory this year, David Njoku, Rashard Higgins. And there was a lot of this that went on, you know, you know, during the year with people of, you know, oh, well, Freddie this and Freddie that, and this guy's not active today. Uh, you know, it was a Freddie and John thing. And I think part of the reason John liked Freddie is because John could kind of lean on Freddie. And we go back to this one. And I remember you, Pete, at the same time, me at the same time, it was the week, the week of the Patriot game where Greg Robinson said, no, 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 no. I'm second string this week. And, you know, I had a long talk with John Dorsey and it was like, what the hell are you having a conversation with John Dorsey for about the fact that you're now second string, you know, offensive line coach, offensive coordinator, Head coach, what the hell are you talking? Why is the general manager now telling you your second string? Um, this Ninjoku mess, whatever. Um, good, bad, indifferent. You know, if if you wanted the guy to improve as a blocker, he certainly wasn't going to do that by not by not you know suiting up. The Rashard Higgins mystery, and for me and you, the biggest one of all is you know Joe Schobert. and you guys know I you know, I talk with them. They they really they don't want to leave Cleveland. They're totally content here. Uh, you know, they got a baby on the way. They're totally willing to set up shop. And this is similar to Duke Johnson. People that want to be here. This hasn't always been the case. These are people that want to be here. I pray to God this opens up the opportunity and there's going to be some lines of communication about what the Browns feel they can pay Joe Schobert and what they can't. Because that's not been the case to this point. Really, really good player. You're leading tackler three years in a row. And, you know, guys get left in the lurch. And what does it make you feel? It makes you feel unappreciated. It makes you feel like a piece of meat. It feels like maybe, you know, people are questioning whether or not you're doing your job or whether you're not doing your job. It, it, you know, I, I think there's probably a sigh of relief. And, of course, as much as there's a – we didn't maybe like the situation we were in, players, team, together, you know, each one player separately, looking at it at the 53 as a whole, you know, and then there's some nervousness of, well, what's coming in next? But, you know, it, it, it's I think it's better than it was because if he enjoyed Freddie and he wanted to keep Freddie because part of it was maybe because he could control, you know, kind of puppeteer things a little bit, it was going nowhere. And, you know, he was pushing away 23, 24-year-old talent to bring in 27, 28-year-old talent. And you know, what are you going to do then? Because Miles Garrett, Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward are going to eat up a ton of this cap here shortly. And, you know, because it would have been okay if he was hitting on the draft picks, Pete. 
Right. I think I think there's no question that had he done better uh, with hitting on picks and, and, and acquiring talent that he he would be here uh, another year. But that's the big problem is he isn't. Um, that's um, you, you didn't do enough to sort of make yourself indispensable. So that's why you're dispensable. And that's that's where you become it, it becomes a real big headache uh, is. You know, and this is. This is ultimately how he got the job in the first place. Is you can make the case that you know Sashi Brown and company and Andrew Berry didn't do a good enough job to sort of ensure their place at the, at, the, uh, at that time, but uh, fairly or not. But in this case, there's too many other mitigating factors in addition to everything else, which is why uh, which is why they're they are where they are. Um, you know, if if they were that much better, I think. Um, I think the ownership would have stayed steadfast and maybe let him pick another coach, but he, he just did too many things horribly wrong. Uh, you know, and, and Doug is on grave in that respect. And, you know, I got a couple of questions we're going to get to here with Pete in a second. And yeah, I guess we'll just jump into this, you know, uh, Pete Smith, Jeff Lloyd, uh, you know, new head coach, new GM rolling on through unlocked on Browns uh, guys. Great slate of games coming this weekend. Uh, AFC wildcard weekend. Uh, I'm going to maybe, put these first two out before me and, you know, me and Peter are going to cover them. We had a lot of fun with those last year. Those shows did really well. You guys enjoyed them. I'm going to tell you right now, I kind of, I think I really like both AFC road teams this weekend, but my bookie.ag, uh, all four games, bet them separately, parlay them where you can manipulate the point spreads to your advantage. There still is the fantasy over and unders, you know, just ways, you know, look, I mean, want to pick a player or two each game. Obviously you got the three hour time slot for each game, two on Saturday, two on Sunday, each game, Gets your undivided attention. Um, in-game betting, where if you don't like the way it's going, halftime, go in there, backdoor yourself to see, maybe save yourself some money. Mybookie.ag. Use the promo code locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Pete, does this change the stance of Stefanski, McDaniels, McCarthy, do you think this tilts the scale in any way? A lot of people would just want to automatically say Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels. Do you think that's the case? No. Um, I think all this says to me is that in their consideration, in their process of looking at these head coaches, and there, there, there seems to be a belief that there are three in particular that they like in particular the best, um, and those are uh, Mike McCarthy, Kevin Stefanski, and uh, Josh McDaniels. Um, two of them did not want any part of, of, of Dorsey. Uh, the McDaniels stuff goes back to the Colts thing, um, you know, and uh, he passed over Stefanski. Uh, there were other fact, other exactly. factions in the in, in, in the. Uh, in Berea that wanted him. Uh, and, it, you know, if they ultimately go that route, they're ultimately going to have sort of won the day. Um, and then whether whether McCarthy cared or not, it just doesn't seem like it was important enough that, you know, it was going to be, you know, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. I, I, it doesn't seem that uh, there, there hasn't been any mention that McCarthy's now not going to interview as a result of this move. And at least for the moment, Elliot Wolf is still hanging out in the office uh, who could theoretically be a GM uh, if it's for Mike McCarthy or 
you know, they've got some other setup they want to do. Um, either way, it's just at no point did does Dorsey's removal impact anything. I, I, I've seen a lot of the same stuff where it's, oh, this this means McDaniel's is in the bag. It, it doesn't. The only the only thing that may sway it is if they announce a GM first. If they if they announce the GM first, I think uh, we're going to know uh with with relative certainty who the who the next coach is it seems seems as if if they get Barry it's going to be Stefanski if they go obviously either the Patriots guys it's going to be McDaniels and if they go with Elliot Wolf or, or somebody else then maybe it's a McCarthy or someone you know somebody else but uh, I think I, I think that's where we're headed on this is is that fluid setup could mean a number of things, but no, absolutely not. Does it mean, oh, this automatically, I mean, they're going to go through the process. They've got, you know, set eight interviews lined up at this point. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to do them. They're going to, you know, be honest with them. And in the case of Stefanski, this would be their third in two years. So, uh, you know, and, and they never talked to McDaniels uh, other than maybe they did in 2014, but uh, that's it. So, I mean, they, Especially when it comes to somebody like McDaniel, I think they have a lot of questions they want to get answered, in particular about uh, the cult situation, everything with that, and basically, you know, why why doesn't that happen here? All the all those type of things. Uh, and then, you know, they, they didn't talk to McCarthy last year. He, he turned it down because he wanted to take a year off. So Stefanski's the one they know the best at this point. If anything, you would say, you know, Iron Dorsey would would be a nod to Stefanski simply because they know him the best. So to me, I don't think it but goes in any direction based on that uh, it, it, like the, it's weird because like the Stefanski interview it's almost going to be like look are you truly interested um you know can we put you into our list of finalists obviously you know you've been kind of hurt here by us before are you still interested enough to take this gig because you know the guy well enough you know McDaniels it seems you know T Haslam it kind of seems that's where she's kind of got her eyes on. You know, that's the one she's focused on. You know, Mike McCarthy obviously brings the best resume, but, you know, with Alonzo Highsmith and, you know, and John Dorsey, those two moving on, you know, is this attractive? And the thing for me with Mike and what I think for Mike McCarthy is, is it what does he think of Baker Mayfield? Because if for Mike, if Mike, likes Baker and thinks Baker fits what Mike likes to do, which I kind of think he does. That's for, that would be the key for Mike. Um, and you brought up Elliot Wolf, which you stole my second question here. Cause it seems like this is the name that's just not getting mentioned. And it, you know, when you talk with agents of players on the Browns or free agents who have had conversations with the Browns, Elliot's the guy they're dealing with. And, you know, they like Elliot. They know Elliot's tough. Um, Elliot's a riser. Uh, you know, obviously his father is a legend in this game. And one of <clears throat> Elliot's father's closest friends in the NFL during his days was Bill Parcells. Look, there was a time where Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick were really tight. So you got to assume Bill probably had a good relationship there as well. So, you know, maybe it's also a McDaniel sign. I don't know. Possibly. Uh, but there's a lot of names floating around. I do agree. It, but the question, I guess, Pete is, is, and, and I guess it's, you're going head coach here first, right? And um, you kind of, it seems almost like it's kind of like, like a three-way tag team match. 
It's this guy and this guy, this guy and this guy versus this guy and this guy. And it's not going to win by the GM maybe as much as it's probably going to win by the head coach you choose. Well, I, I don't know if the order is necessarily set by virtue of the fact that let's say they want Kevin Stefanski, but the Vikings, you know, move on in the playoffs. You know, they, they might hire Andrew Bay first by virtue of the fact that um, he can be hired. Um, you know, whereas Mike McCarthy can be hired right now. I mean, there's no, no stopping it. Um, but the other point is, uh, with all this, is the notion that, like, I've seen multiple people suggest that, that this is like, this means it's a prove it year uh, for Baker Mayfield. Um, I, I've got news for anyone who thinks this. The only reason that Josh McDaniels, Mike McCarthy, and Kevin Stefanski are looking at the Cleveland Browns is because of Baker Mayfield. Like, Josh McDaniels is on record of adoring Baker Mayfield. Yes. Mike McCarthy can go basically anywhere he wants. Why would he come to Cleveland if not for Baker Mayfield? Uh, and then obviously, well, my only thing is Carolina. You you have no quarterback there, and you have no guarantee of getting a quarterback this year. But go ahead. And then obviously, uh, Kevin Stefanski was trying to be the head coach last year when Baker Mayfield looked like a complete star. Um, so this idea that well, these you know this is put up or shut up time or you know, come on, that's it's insane. They know what they have in Baker Mayfield. They know they have to get more out of him. But the, this idea that, like, this year completely invalidates anything he's done before this is insane. The, that He is the draw. I mean, honestly, if you're looking at the Cleveland Browns, yep. what else are you coming here for if not for him? Uh, you know, they're, they're, don't get me wrong. There's talent. Miles Garrett's a phenomenal player. They've got Denzel Ward and, and Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, assuming they want those guys. And all that, but a lot of teams have really nice players. The difference between them and the Browns is the Browns have a quarterback, and they don't. And that's the selling point. Like, I I, I don't understand why all these guys, those three guys, are quarterback coaches at some point in their resume. Josh McDaniels is the quarterback coach, in addition to the offensive coordinator in New England. Kevin O'Connell's been a quarterback coach. Mike McCarthy's been a quarterback coach. These are all guys with track records dealing with quarterbacks. The idea that that's not the specific guy they have in mind for wanting this job is completely ignorant of the point. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know why anyone would believe the notion that uh, Baker Mayfield's here, but really I, I want to go to the Cleveland Browns who have done nothing to, to worry about. I like Nick Chubb, and I like the fact that maybe Miles Garrett can get after the pass rush, can get after the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, it's just. It makes no sense. And look, I mean, look, Stefanski, Minnesota ain't winning in, in New Orleans. Stefanski's ready to go come Monday. Uh, I'll be honest, I do not like this matchup for the Patriots against the Titans. It, it feels like we've played this playoff game five million times. Uh, I'll tell you, Derrick Henry goes in there and do, does what Derrick Henry can do. I don't know. So maybe Josh McDaniels is available come Sunday. Mike's available tomorrow, tonight, whatever you want. I don't think it's going to be long on those top three candidates. Uh, we got time to sneak in a couple of questions here. And some, hey, didn't ask for them, but you guys sent them over anyway. Uh, Luckbuck, uh, at Luckbuck, Lucky, thanks, appreciate it. Uh, now that Dorsey is out, how do we salvage what's good and build on it while trying to manage the cap and sign the players we already have and do a little moving in the draft? 
I'm not sure about moving in the draft because however the Kareem Hunt thing plays out. And if you guys, and this is the whole thing from last night. I have not banned on what Kareem Hunt did this year. One iota. Y'all want to pay him $4 million as an insurance policy for Kareem Hunt? What? Who pays more in, more in insurance than the actual product you're insuring? It's nonsense. It's ludicrous. And yes, he's not the athlete Nick Chubb is. Yes, he's not the athlete that some day three running backs are. You want to pay Kareem Hunt $4 million to do 20% of the work, 15% of the work? You're foolish. It is a waste of cap. Kareem has been fine this year. You want to put a second round tender on him. Anybody wants to come get him, guess what? You got five picks in the top 89. I don't care who's draft. Well, I mean, look, you screw it up, you screw it up. Me and Pete will nail that for you. We'll get you five names. We'll get you five guys within 90 picks that can stick around here for three, four years and produce and produce really well. So that whole nonsense that went on last night, I wasn't bagging on Kareem Hunt. I was just giving you facts. Nobody wanted to uh, nobody wanted to pick up on them or realize them, but whatever. But Pete, here, you know, as far as you know, moving on from John. I think there's some egos that need to be you know, f- fixed here, mended. You, you need to sit down with David Njoku. Look, Rashard Higgins, I don't know if you're getting Rashard Higgins back, and I can maybe understand it. Um, you need to sit down with Joe Schobert and let him know what's going on here. There's some things that John did and fractured some egos, fractured some hearts here, that whatever's going to go on, these are some of these players that need to be met with right away and let them know they're standing within this organization. Um, so as it pertains to Kareem Hunt, if the Browns want to change to a heavier gap scheme blocking system, um, then Kareem Hunt makes a ton of sense. Um, but if they're going to stay with zone, and Mike McCarthy's a zone guy or has been, uh, Kevin Stefanski's a zone guy or has been, and uh, Josh McDaniels, I believe, is a zone guy or has been, so, but so in that sense, if if the Browns are going to be a zone scheme, then I think you're always going to get probably about 75% of what Kareem Hunt can do, um, and you can say that that's fine. Um, I would say that teams looking at Kareem Hunt and see what he can do at 100% would say he's more valuable to them than he is to the Browns, and if that's the case. I would rather trade him for 100% of his worth than yet play him with 75%. Um, but that's me. I, I think the Browns went through this with Duke Johnson and Isaiah Crowell, and it was frustrating at times to try to run both. Uh, I think it really hurt uh, Filippo when he was here, uh, and he overloaded the offensive line trying to ask him too much. I think the Browns would be much better off if they're going to say we're going to be his own scheme to get another zone scheme runner uh, who is extremely talented and just have nonstop zone running. Uh, if you want to do occasional gap stuff, cause you, you know, you want to change up some stuff, that's fine, but it's about maximizing your offensive line. And if you add potentially a rookie, two rookies to this offensive line and expect them to start, the last thing the Browns should want to do is have them overloaded in terms of what they need to know and what they need to execute. Like if they can execute, zone quickly and effectively great but asking them to do basically twice the work of anyone else on the team in terms of run blocking is 
in, in my opinion, a recipe to be very disappointed with what you get because it's just been the fact of time to do these things. It's de- it definitely would be a disservice to that. And I'll tell you right now, it, you know, and I'm almost to the point where it's even somebody wants to give him, you know, take him on the third round. And now you're getting, look, if it's, you know, five in the top 89 or five in the top 96, and and you look at this running back class and the thing, and this is my biggest thing is, you know, if, you know, Nick Chubb goes in, gets six, seven carries, whatever. Now you, if I'm bringing in something after Nick, I want him to be even faster. I've grown this attachment where I think Travis Etienne out of, Clemson, I mean, to bring in a back who's slower after Nick Chubb and less athletic, I don't see the sell there. It, for me, it doesn't make sense. I want, because Nick is going to run past you, run through you, beat you up. So guess what? Okay, well, here's the next back. Guess what? He's even freaking faster. Well, I, I just look at it as I don't want to mess with the line. And whatever stylistically you want, I obviously love Cam Akers for that. I know you're 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 loving uh, Travis Etienne right now, uh, but the bottom line is I don't, I don't want to have to essentially change over to my my blocking to to account for it. So I just want my offense to be consistently logical and more efficient in terms of what I'm trying to teach offensive line to do and all those things. So uh, that's that's for the Browns to decide. But uh, to me, I think if you put a second round tender on him. You might be able to get somebody coming in offering a third and maybe a conditional pick the following year. Um, you can trade rights. You don't have to do it necessarily the signing way. So I have no problem with that. Um, but I, I just, again, I think 100% of Kareem Hunt is more valuable than 75%. And the teams that stand out to me that could use them right now are the Saints, uh, the Chicago Bears, the Tampa Bay Bucks, the Detroit Lions. Um, those are all teams. And he might be one of those backs who gets better with, you know, with more, you know, with more action. He's never going to get that here. And this was the case when he got here. This is Nick's gig. There's nobody else. Yeah, well, the the, the other notion, and, and, and we tried to warn him, Nick Chubb's better. He just is. He's bigger, faster, stronger. And he has better vision and better patience and just does more. He's just better. Um, and he's certainly better with what they do. So, that's 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 why he got the bolo. That's why he's arguably the best running back in football right now, is because he is really freaking good. Uh, Kareem Hunt is a very nice back, and I think if he like Detroit's leading rusher, I think this year had 350 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, if they add it, add him into that, then then they could potentially completely change the offense. Or the Bears, or or Saints, or Bucks. Like those are teams that could use another back, and that's not to say he's replacing Kamara. It's just they they could use another back. All right, we got to wrap it here. Um, and look, you know, and Hunt brings so much more in the passing game. Would work in Detroit. Um, and everybody, oh, well, Hunt won a rushing title. Yeah, the year he won the rushing title, Nick had more yards this year. So save me that one. Um, it, the other one was on Joe Schobert. Um, look, they want to stay. We'll see how it works out. He is Pete Smith. Make sure you're following at Pete Smith underscore, uh, at underscore Pete Smith underscore, at Brownsmaven, SI.com. Check out all the work over there. At Lockdown Browns, follow back account. DMs open, me personally, at Jeff underscore. LJ underscore Lloyd. Look, it's January. It's going to be crazy. It's been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound LGB on the LLB. Let's go Browns.